This episode is sponsored by Hulu. The reality queen herself, Lisa Vanderpump, has a new home on Hulu and has teamed up with them to bring you the newest, most exciting reality series yet, Vanderpump Villa. In an escape to the French countryside, Lisa and her staff work, live, and play together 24-7 while dealing with rivalry, romance, and misadventures. The series offers first-class luxury with world-class drama. Watch new episodes of Vanderpump Villa every Monday, now on Hulu. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. I seen the honey with the butt looking but it's soft. I know she looked 
Welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Thursday episode. Uh, did everybody have a, a happy 4th of July? Did anybody blow their fingers off with a with an illegal firework anywhere? <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm laughing. That would be insanely horrible. That was the thing always, I don't know if you ever knew, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but as a kid... That was always the big threat, right? With the parents of like, you will blow your fingers. I remember growing up in Kansas and, you know, the, the most we got to touch were the sparklers. Um, but, you know, the cool kids, their parents always let them have like the jumbo fireworks you could get outside of a Walmart or something. But I knew even then, I knew as a little kid that if I had ever gotten near that, I would be the guy that would blow his fingers off. That It's like you'll shoot your eye out from a Christmas story. Anyways, I hope everybody had a happy 4th of July, even with all the Mauricio and Kyle uh, tragedy that's happening. Now, we'll talk all about Bravo on uh, Friday's episode. I got a great guest coming on that I have to wake up super early in the morning to talk to tomorrow. Uh, just like I woke up super early in the morning to talk to our guest today. Um, now. Uh, wow. If I would have told, if I would have told the Ryan from 2019 or 2018 or whenever I first learned about our guest today that I would one day uh, speak to our, our guest, I would not have believed it. You, I would never have believed it. Uh, also, it would have been hard to explain to that person that I would end up being doing a podcast about reality TV and pop culture. But here we are. I am thrilled to have on today's guest, who is the one, the only, Caroline Calloway. Now, I'm going to get into a primer for Caroline Calloway if you are not aware of her. Um, I know one. Uh, I know Sandra, who works with me, listened to the episode uh, today, and she had no idea who Caroline Calloway was. So I, I was like, oh my God, I just assume everybody knows who Caroline Calloway is. Uh, those especially that live online, that are chronically online, like I have been for these last seven or eight years. Uh, so I'm going to kind of take you into why you should know Caroline Calloway if you don't. Uh, before I do that really quickly, though, I just want to remind people, I forgot to remind people since I've been back, that if you love this podcast, uh, or, or even if you're watching it on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe, make sure you like, make sure you tell your friends, and make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that you give it a five-star review. Uh, you can do it on both platforms. It really, really, really does help. I always tell you to do that for not just my podcast, but all podcasts. It is something so free and simple that you can do that really does help out. And it helps, uh, you know, because you, you want the podcast to do as good as you can so you can get quality guests, so you can get the Caroline Calloways. I mean, to think about the growth this podcast has had over the last couple of years is just mind-boggling. It, it truly is. Um, Sandra and Medica, or Sandra sent me um, on the 4th of July in the morning after I had talked to Caroline, which, by the way, we did this interview on the 4th of July, wild. Uh, I, I can't think of somebody better to celebration, celebrate our nation's independence than with Caroline Calloway. But uh, she sent me that we we cracked the top 10, that we, I was at like number six or seven. Uh, and I was just like, wow. I, I try not to look at those things because I... You know, I'm a glass half empty kind of guy, and I always think, well, I'll be wildly disappointed when I do look at those things. And I know the the show really kind of hit another peak during Vanderpump Rules 
uh, with those recaps and stuff, but it's nice to know that you guys hung on and thank you for still being here and thank don't, don't leave, don't leave. But man, that was such a nice thing, uh, to see for, for both of the episodes that we released this week, just wild. And, and don't think that, um, I just truly appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Enough of the uh, the sappiness. Now let's get into the internet. I'm going to explain the internet real quick. Uh, really useful. It can open your mind to so many different things, so many different avenues, so many different ideas, and it can also be a trash dumpster, hellscape, fireland, piss bucket of destruction, right? It can be both. And now this is perfect that I'm talking to you guys right now because a couple of hours ago, it's 10 o'clock at night, uh, gosh, man, but seven hours ago, I was, I was, uh, clued into the fact that, uh, a new social media app has launched. It's called threads. This isn't a bit, it truly launched. It's, uh, it's made by Mark Zuckerberg and the, those fine, fine folks over at Meta. Meta now, of course, is the company that has Facebook, Instagram, which is my favorite. And at one point it was our guest favorite, uh, Instagram, Instagram was their favorite as well, I think for a time and place, uh, Twitter now, of course, is owned by Elon Musk. Zuckerberg has everything else. Now threads is kind of, or it's being touted as we'll see it's less than a day old is kind of a Twitter killer. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, hopefully it'll totally destroy Twitter and we'll never have to go on it again. No, I like Twitter, but I use it as just a a sounding board for jokes, for just bad jokes. It's my mind. Um, I, I like I like just kind of putting out you. If you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there are other great sources for actual information that I follow, but me, I kind of just want to joke about pop culture and reality TV, and that's what's great is that anybody can kind of do whatever they want on there. Almost. To oblivion. I mean, listen, we're 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 showing holes on Twitter at this point, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But it's also just so wildly destructive. The internet and social media in general can just be wild because it can build people up, just like we talk about in terms of reality television. You build these people up, but you just love to tear them down. You love to tear them down. And I think when you get into this vortex of all of this white hot attention, there is something so attractive, something so seductive about it that when you start getting success from it, or even if you court that success and then it works, it's mind boggling. It's, it's that kind of low level of fame that actually works can really, really be seductive. And I think uh, then when you start doing things that get people's attention. If you're doing something a little left of center, sometimes you're celebrated for it. Or sometimes you can be branded a scammer, which is what uh, our guest today was branded for multiple things that she uh, was a part of. Um, So the cool thing, though, is, you know, we talk about cancel culture, we talk about canceling people, and I, I really don't know, you know, if cancel culture truly exists. I do know there are of course, things that happen, you know, you, you have a, a stamp in people's mind or a hole that you have to dig yourself out of sometimes based on people's responses to you based on your social media and, and all the while knowing that they don't really know the real person. Now, Caroline Calloway, I think is a very interesting example of this because this is somebody that touted themselves as a writer. Yet when she came into public consciousness in what, 2018, 
you know, she 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 kept promising a book or, or a book was being promised that never came out. And I am so happy to to say or to announce, you guys might already know, that her first book is finally coming out. Scammer is here. It's real. I got to read it. You'll hear me talk about it. In fact, I, I tell her, I when I did this interview, you guys, I, I pulled an all-nighter. I pulled an all-nighter. But I mean, like, listen, I, I, t- I talk about this in the interview, how joyous that was. But also that I couldn't put the book down. And every time I thought I was going to put it down, I was like, you know what? Let me just read another page. And that page led me to wanting to read another page. And I just kept thinking, wow, what really shuts people up is when you do good work, is when you actually have the goods. And I think that kind of blew me away was that I was always interested in Cal- Caroline Calloway as a uh, an internet figure. You know, somebody that that I was in uh, online community chats about. We would pass around things, oh, Caroline did this or Caroline did that. And uh, to actually have a physical thing that she made and going, wow, she had this in her all along. Like, she always was interesting, right? She always knew her way around a phrase, even her Instagram captions, which she was originally known for. You know, they kind of pop off the page. But then she started becoming the butt of a lot of people's jokes, and that's a real dangerous, um, a dangerous thing to play with. And, and you know, I thought we might never hear uh, from Caroline Calloway after like the umpteenth time or thing that she put herself through that kind of exploded in this weird way. So it was so amazing when I started hearing that this book was finished, that she was out there. And then I started reading like the reviews of this book. I mean, Rolling Stone was just like... Uh, over the moon about this book. It was so cool. And then other people that have read it were kind of just blown away by it as well. And then I was like, I got to get my eyes on this. And they sent me a copy, a galley copy, um, a digital copy. And I loved it. I loved it. I truly, truly dug it. And I, I compare it to, I compare it to, uh, in, in the interview actually with Kat Marnell's, uh, how to murder your life. And I thought it shared a lot of, not in a, a copying way at all, but it it was in the same vein of uh, of of you realize in this memoir this is a living, breathing person, and all these little internet debacles or things that we had known about from a certain angle where she was kind of being called a scammer. You got to hear it not just from her side because it's written in such a uh, the prose is so. I wish I had a better vocabulary sometimes to explain a little bit better, but I just thought there were moments of it that were really beautiful and captivating, you know, when she was talking about her father's um, her father's death or the struggles with her mom or, or you know, trying to break her Adderall addiction. You know, these things that, you know, she just wrote about it in a very... Um, very gripping way that kind of forced you, like I said, to stay up, to keep reading. Now, this is a day book. This is less than 200 pages, which we talk about uh, the Verbiage Day book, which he created. But basically, it's a, it's meant to be read in a day. And I thought, wow, that is great. Now, right now, you can get a first edition copy at carolinecalloway.com. I will, uh, I'll put that in the notes. But what's so cool is for the first edition, she packages it in this certain way. If you go to the website, you'll see. And I was like, man, this, she puts so much care into it. And I know she loves Taylor Swift. So we were talking a little bit about Taylor Swift because I know the fan experience for Taylor. She has everything so planned out, you know, down to the lighted up wristbands that the whole 80,000 person stadium 
uh, will wear. So they'll light up different colors during different songs. And it seems like she puts the same care into that experience for the reader. Now, I think I, I, I said, and I always think I, I said, oh, you care about the fan experience too. And I didn't mean to think fans of Caroline Calloway, but like, you know, supporters of Caroline Calloway, somebody that wants to see what she's up to, what, what she's, what she's actually doing, what's inside of her. Because I think we've always got the story from the internet's point of view, from Reddit's point of view, which by the way, if you're listening from Reddit, please take it easy on me. I know you guys like to pick apart a lot of things. So Please go easy. This is a positive podcast, but I got to tell you, Reddit, I really dug it. I'm very curious to hear what you guys are, are going to think about it because there was actually a whole, I don't know if it's still there, but there's like a whole online Reddit thread kind of that that there was, they would break down everything that Caroline did. And by the way, Caroline, I think it a lot of times would, would fight back as well, but there's no winning on the internet. Like even that Threads app, which I was just talking about, I just realized, man, this is fun. It's really fun to spend a night like, you know, seeing who's on here and thinking of stupid jokes and reading ideas and seeing who follows you and who you want to follow. That is something so unique to today's day and age. But at the same time, at the end of the day, what's my goal there? What is my goal? To be liked? That's my goal with everything, to be liked? You know, as I kept thinking about Caroline's goal when she started on Instagram, because what she did, you guys, is that she was kind of ahead of the curve when Instagram was an uh, an app that was just starting, realizing that this was a great marketing tool. She wanted to be a writer. She was going to uh, all of these amazing schools, including Oxford, wanting to be a writer. And she realized, well, I can write right here on Instagram. And she perfected Instagram captions that almost came came out like diaries in a sense. And then we talk a little bit about that. She was like kind of this master marketer. And I don't want to compare her to a Kardashian, but there was a keen Kris Jenner sense of, oh, if I do this, I could possibly reach all of these people, which will get me to my end goal. But it's so funny when you have end goals in life, you never know where that journey is going to take you. And sometimes the journey will lead you so far astray that you'll never sometimes hit that end goal, right? You've got to, you've got to be very specific in life with what that goal is. And it's so easy to lose yourself in that journey. That's what I kept thinking. So it was so weird to talk to this person that I had been following for so, you know, like seven or eight years. And then to realize by the end of reading her book that I was completely rooting for her. That I was like, wow, I want her to do good. And more than that, just as an avid reader um, or an avid audiobook listener, <laughs> but avid, I read this with my eyes. Um, was that I wanted her to keep writing, that I wanted to read the next two books, that I, I that I, I almost made her promise me. I was like, please keep writing. Please keep doing this. Because that was the thing. A lot of people make these kind of big promises or they'll talk tough. You know, we're always told to act a big game, you know, fake it until you make it. But sometimes you just realize there's just a lot of fakers out there. They never had it to begin with. So I thought reading her journey and her prose and her, you know, non-linear storytelling, I thought was just so great. So I highly recommend her book. Like I said, carolinecalloway.com. I know it's going to be out uh, in bookstores and other formats in, uh, I believe, probably a couple of months, which we talk about just a little bit. But this is the first kind of iteration of this book. But it was just really exciting because this book has been promised for so long. So let me take you back into Caroline's life a little bit. She joined Instagram in 2012. 
um, just right at the beginning. This was before there was any rules on Instagram and like how you would, you know, be able to advertise anything. And, and she, she would, she would kind of search out accounts that were like book fans and all of these things. And she would pay them. Like, I think it was in the book. She talks about like $5 for five ads, or she would pay them to repost her stuff. And they were like, is this legal? Can we do this? She's like, yeah, I'm going to totally pay you. And it, and it worked. She also bought 40,000 followers. Now we always talk about, uh, I always talk about buying followers. In today's day and age, I find it so annoying because it's so easy to tell when people do it. But she did it before anybody. She did it in 2012, 2013, when it was like, I think that was another, it was like so cheap to do. And it kind of helped her get her start. I mean, now she has real followers. I mean, she talks about it in the book, you know, eventually they all became real followers as the fake followers fell away. But it was that keen eye on marketing, you know, but sometimes people can just be marketers and they don't have the other stuff. They don't have the art stuff. And uh, so, so she was doing all of this, but like I said, all of these carefully crafted Instagram captions, like even down to the ellipses she would put or the comma, everything was, she would also study Instagram. She would study Instagram and what emojis where would they have to go? Who, what, what would people respond to? And she would study that and try to create the perfect curated caption, the curated life. She would, uh, you know, take tra trips to like Sicily, Venice, all these European areas during that summer of 2012. And that kind of started that audience. Um, and then in 2013, she transferred to Cambridge to finish her undergraduate degree. And there it shifted to more like academic and kind of that that lifestyle uh, that I, that I'll never know uh, that Cambridge was, um, which is so funny. You know, it's so funny. Even I, I just I'm having so many memories of looking at her posts and reading things. I remember she is like an avid reader, and I'm that guy that if you post a bookshelf, I'm always going to zoom in to see which books are in your collection. I've always just loved books. I've loved the smell. I've loved, you know, just the feeling the spine of a book going into a bookstore, that magical feeling. Um, you know, sometimes I'll try to read on my iPad and I'll do it, but it's not my preferred way of reading. There's nothing that beats the smell and the feel of a book. I mean, you want to talk about romantic. That That is it right there. A book. You know, like sometimes I'll know I'm not going to even read the thing, but just to have it with me will make me feel so good, so so accomplished. But Caroline Calloway, as it's, 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 it's brought up many times is a real person, but at the same time, a creation, or at least the Caroline Calloway that was presented to us, um, online through social media. Um, and she was really good at, at connecting with people, you know, connecting, uh, with the audience, you know, she spoke directly to people, that it felt like she was speaking directly to you. Now, unfortunately, part of Caroline's story in some ways is uh, told by her college friend and a collaborator named Natalie Beach, who also has a book out at this time, which, you know, we... It, it, the book talks a lot about Natalie because there was a infamous article in the cut. If you guys know or remember that article, I remember it very well. That was told from Natalie's perspective, which left out a lot of key elements to Caroline's story. And in a way, 
Caroline was, uh, I don't want to say robbed of her narrative, but her narrative all of a sudden kind of escaped her and snowballed with everything that everybody said about Caroline. Now, I don't want to like completely, you know, she's not some kind of wilting flower that like, you know, Caroline is very, very smart. But at the same time, this element of her story was... um, was told from the perspective of Natalie. And Natalie um, made these kind of uh, statements saying that she helped create the Caroline Calloway persona. You know, is that, that, that the whole thing was that Caroline sold a book or a book deal or got a book deal. Uh, and I think it was upwards of like a half a million dollars for this book to write. And what Natalie did do was help with the book proposal. She didn't write Caroline's caption. She didn't any of this, but it was a very interesting friendship that is talked about uh, throughout Scammer, Caroline's book. Um, But it is interesting to see what an influence both of these ladies have had on each other's lives, even though in retrospect, having read the cut article, having read, you know, Caroline's book now and, and, and paying close attention to a lot of things in between, is that I feel like, wow, Caroline, at the end of the day, is going to be okay. That sometimes you almost worry about the Natalie character because you wonder what kind of life she's going to have. Because I feel like this is going to be one of many things that Caroline kind of rises from. I mean, you know, she's been in articles in Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, the Washington Post did a great article on her, kind of all in this very positive uh, vein, which is very different (laughs) when you're talking about Caroline Calloway, because her name has been dragged through the mud in a lot of occasions. Um, And by the way, she's done some of those things that, you know, I don't want to say warranted being dragged through the mud, but it made her an easy target. Uh, If you guys follow Caroline Calloway, she would do these, uh, she would do these kind of uh, creativity workshops where you know, it was kind of planned down to like, okay, we're going to like make flowers, like all, I'm God, I'm doing such a bad job here. You guys explaining this, but there's just so much to her story that I've been re-remembering, but it's interesting after talking to the person trying to go back and re-remember after reading their own memoir or, or remember when she, she got the New York apartment, she painted it all white. Uh, and then she rented that apartment. There's so many aspects of the Caroline Calloway story that it is almost perfectly made for a movie or some kind of documentary, which I do have a feeling is happening, or even a reality show, even though I don't want a reality show for Caroline Calloway after reading her book because I thoroughly enjoyed it so much that I don't want to detract from the actual writing. You know, what happens with reality shows sometimes is that, like Housewives, we see it, they become characters. They become not the butt of the joke, but they do become something that we... um we volley around like there are personal pleasure and even thinking about Kyle and Mauricio's uh, separation, you know, we were talking about it seriously, but at the same time, there were so many jokes being banded around that it kind of robs them of this really personal experience because we're all in on it. You can tell I'm really trying to work through things in my mind right now. Anyways, they got this book deal, this book proposal that Caroline, uh, Natalie, was paid to help Caroline with, sold the book deal. And then in the book, you'll find out she was also struggling with, um, you know, the Adderall addiction. 
and then realized this book was becoming something that wasn't her. It was becoming kind of fake. It was becoming not her actual story. And she just couldn't write it. You know, every time she tried, she would find reasons not to to write it. It just didn't, it didn't, she had to like renege on the book proposal. So she was on the line for like under a half a million dollars. You know, and she couldn't do this. And it was, it, it was, it, I just remember that of somebody walking away from that. She couldn't even turn in the shit that was already written because it wasn't in, it wasn't her. It, she felt like a fraud in that sense. And she, truly that would have been the true scam is turning a fake thing in. And she could not do that. And then uh, from there, it, it's wild. Like she left New York there's so many things I'm skipping over. She left New York to go back to Florida where some of her family is from. And she went and took care of her grandmother who passed away. And also her mom, which by the way, I talk about my mom all the time. Her mom uh, has dealt with many, um, you know, I mean, I believe she has or had cancer as well. And she talks about her mom and, and some of the things that she's gone through in the book, which is really reminded me of what I've been going through in certain ways with my mom. But then even to pay back that, that she was on the line for that money, she started an OnlyFans and this wasn't, she would do topless photos, but she would do it in like, you know, Mary Shelley or like kind of these literary masterpiece characters or authors. And it was, it was OnlyFans, but it was OnlyFans for like a collegiate, very collegiate level, if that makes sense. But we talk about it, like in that, that meantime, she also was able to, I mean, we were all talking about her. She talks about New York Twitter, like just, you know, all they could do was talk about her. All they could do, you know, we talk about the Red Scare podcast when she appeared at that live show. Because I didn't realize where I did. I was wondering why she would put herself in that kind of firing squad to be made fun of potentially. But in a sense, once again, she kind of knew what she was doing because that led her to get her story optioned for movies and TV, which by the way, Natalie, her collaborator for that book proposal was doing the same thing at the same time and try to get her to sign her, her life rights away for a very small fee where Natalie would end up getting a million dollars. And I think Caroline was like, you know, offered $15,000 and then Natalie would be her friend again. All of this is talked about in the book, but you can also do a cursory search on Google and I'll tell you all about it. Um, and, and Lena Dunham is potentially involved in this. Lena Dunham wrote a script of Caroline's life. Uh, there, it, this is all, there's a whole Hollywood vignette in this book that I found truly fascinating. I know you guys would completely dig it. Uh, they name, she names drops actors, the whole thing. I love it, love it, love it. But doing things like that was able to get her attention of Hollywood. Now, when Hollywood comes calling, that's so you think you think Twitter and internet is dangerous. Hollywood can be right up there. But she did that, and then, like I said, she disappeared to Florida, even though you know she was still doing these things, still promising this book scammer. And I always thought, and I think I say this in their interview, I kind of got scared that I thought, oh, this is gonna kind of be her like Andy Kaufman bit. She's always gonna promise us a book for the rest of her life and never deliver on the book. And that's going to be, it's almost going to be performance art in a way. She's just, it's always, you know, when she's 50, she's going to be talking about when Scammer comes out. And so it was so delightful to actually read Scammer, to realize it's a real thing. And that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you guys will completely dig it too. Like I said, carolinecalloway.com to go check out. If you'd want to get a copy, the first edition books uh, are a little pricier, but it comes with a lot of other accoutrements. Uh, I definitely am going to get a hardcover copy because I do want it for my collection now. 
Um, it is so interesting to watch these people that we fixate on on the internet. Um, and then they're a part of your lives, but then it's also really then exciting when they do something of such value that it, it takes you away to another place. It, it Like any kind of escapist um, escapist art, it takes you away from the issues in your life and you start focusing on somebody else other than yourself, or it can hit that chord in your heart or your soul that you kind of like, oh, I recognize this, or, oh, this reminds me of this experience in my life. And it's really nice to sometimes get out of your body, to get out of your shoes and, and be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, so you listen, Caroline Calloway is not going to be the next fire festival. She actually is a writer and a damn good one. And this interview, it is it is all over the place because that's how we do it here. And our energies are both very high. So I don't want to apologize because I'm, I'm told by my life coach I should not be doing that. But uh, just know that I was so damn excited as I am always to, to talk to these people, but also to talk to Caroline. And I'd been up all night reading this book. It was the 4th of July, the morning of the 4th of July. I woke up. Uh, I didn't like I got like an hour and a half of sleep, I think. And... Uh, you know, it was the fourth and, and she's East Coast. I'm I'm West Coast. But uh, I wanted it to go well. I wanted it to go well. And then you'll see at the end, I mean, she would have kept going and I wanted to keep going, but I, I couldn't keep going. Um, I had to. And, and you guys know I'll go forever. And it killed me because I thought we were only going to do a 30 minute interview and we went like 53, 54 minutes and I wanted to keep going and I couldn't keep going. So hopefully hopefully, Caroline, I don't think you're listening, but if you are, keep writing. Make sure there's another thing that you can come on and promote because I would I would also, maybe I'll just make her watch a Housewives episode, a famous Housewives episode, just to get her take. Because we didn't, we got to talk about Taylor Swift a little bit, but I would love to know her takes on pop culture. I mean, she name checks like Paul Thomas Anderson, Vampire Weekend uh, in the book. So I would love to know what she watches and listens to and all of that stuff. So... I hope I gave you a little bit of a primer. Uh, for the Caroline Calloway educated, you will know what we're talking about. And for those that don't, I think there are some aspects in here that you will be able to uh, empathize with and potentially uh, lead you towards this book when you can get it. So uh, very, very thankful and grateful to have Miss Caroline Calloway on today. Once again, carolinecalloway.com for her first book, Scammer. And uh, here she is. Today, I am so excited about our next guest. I am shocked that this is actually happen happening. Uh, this person we're about to talk to name checks Taylor Swift multiple times in her new book. Uh, she even brings up the Eras Tour, and I was thinking about all of our next guest eras herself that she's gotten through by the age of 30. Now, if you are a student of the internet, uh, like I have been over the last 10 years, our next guest is a pop culture icon. You might know her as a writer, a master marketer, a designer, an it girl, and at one point, an addict, a villain, a hero, a Reddit mainstay. Uh, and at multiple times, she's been called a scammer. So I am happy to say her first book, her memoir, Scammer, is shipping now. Scammer finally is able to take back her narrative. And you guys, I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but this book is fucking good. It is good. Uh, without further ado, I read this book. That's why I'm so excited to speak to her. Without further ado, please welcome the one, the only, the patron saint of Cambridge and chaotic good, Miss Caroline Calloway. Thank you so much for being here. 
Oh my god, that was the best fucking intro I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, I will. Can I? Are you available for like events? For even just like yeah, first please, can I, could first I? Could I just and party? Can I do? Can I do? Midi- I'm thinking medieval herald style outfit, little trumpet, uh, <laughs> and just that That's... anytime I enter a room. That was so kind and so amazing. And I feel like, yeah, don't forget parties and first dates. Can you do that to me every morning when I wake yeah, up? That's, that's gonna, amazing. I'll be your, Thank you so I'll, much. I'll be your hype man. This is like Puff Daddy and yeah. Puff Daddy's hype man at this point. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. I, you know, I literally feel like you've given me a gift. Like, I, I really feel that feeling of like, oh, my God, I didn't get you anything. I didn't know we were exchanging gifts. You, listen, like, your presence here, you, so you nice. are the gift. Thank you. No, I, thank I was, you so the, much. No, my God, Caroline, I, I got to tell you, the only, the bone I have to pick with you right now, though, is... Uh, I started reading this book. Like you guys know, I've been on vacation. I took my parents to Alaska and that just ended. This happens for the moment. Somebody said that you were potentially doing interviews. And I said, well, there's no way she's going to do this. And then you actually did it. And I was just so shocked. And then last night I finished working on the show. I started reading the book and I, I set my alarm early to wake up to finish it. And I, I couldn't put it down. So I finished it last night. So I stayed up way, way too late. I look like death warmed over right now, but I couldn't, I couldn't put this down. It was so exciting. And I just wanted to ask you before we get into any of the, the actual questions is like, how does this moment feel where we're actually reading something that not has been promised, but we've been waiting for for so long. How does this moment feel where the, the reviews are like overwhelmingly positive right now? Yeah, yeah. It honestly, it feels, I just feel like for a, several years there, I could not catch a fucking break. You know, like I, uh, my dad died. My grandma died. My stepdad died. I went viral as a scammer. I went viral as a scammer again. My ex-best friend sold me out. Like, it was just, it was just really rough there for a while. And it just, it just feels so good, you know? And I, yeah, it's like, I know that's such a boring answer, but it's just such a simple feeling of just happiness and relief and peace and it just feels so new as well you know like it's been it's been a while since i felt like this like as in like years (laughs) years. (laughs) this book by the way i want to tell people this book you can read in one sitting in fact you designed it that way uh, you write in this someday I will make my first book and we were like, which we'll talk about later. But for now you have this book day book of 67 vignettes day book is a word I coined for writing that's intended to be finished the same day you start reading, evoking the magnificent childhood pleasure of devouring a story cover to cover in a single afternoon. And you really truly did that. Was that really by design or is that like, Hey, I wrote this amount. I'm just going to call it a day book. <laughs> Although I like that idea. And I will, um, you know, I give full permission for anyone out there who finds themselves in that situation to use this word I've coined and be like, you know what? I meant to write this. Like, yeah. it's, it's actually a day book. <laughs> it's but no, I really did mean to um, make it that length because the thing is, I was working around several constraints. One is that I 
one is that I want scammer is not the first book I wanted to publish, but it's the first book I had to publish because although people rightfully say that I'm very delusional, I think I nurse a lot of delusions, especially in times of like extreme in times of like extreme hope vacuums, I think self-delusion can be like a very powerful tool and one that I've really employed to stay optimistic when I felt like, you know, the odds were really stacked against me. But I also think a a lesser discussed part of me, dare I say a fully ignored part of me is my ability (laughs) to, to grapple with and to respond to reality and the reality is, is that Scammer is the first book I had to publish, even if I didn't want to. It's the right title. It's the right content. Um, but my dream is always to make a memoir called And We Were Like. And in in order to still be able to make that someday, I had to make Scammer short. I had to make it small enough that I could still save enough content to like fill uh, at least like more than half of all my best stories I needed to be able to leave out. So it worked well, like, um, in terms of like master plan to make a day book, like long-term career goals. It also worked really well. Just, I, I believe what I wrote that there is like a magnificent pleasure that like evokes childhood of like finishing a book cover to cover in a single day. Like oh. who gets to do that anymore as an adult? Well, no one. Yeah. Caroline, I, I was like, pages. I was like, wow, okay, so I'm going to stay up all night reading this book. And then I was like, when is the last time I've stayed up all night reading a book? And I was like, this is, this is, then I was all proud of myself for finishing a book that wasn't an audio book, by the way, you guys. This wasn't an audio book, which you, you name check Cat uh, Marnell in this, How to Murder, uh, How to Murder Your Life, uh, How to Murder a Life, which I listened yeah, audiobook to audio form. How to Murder Your Life. I listened to that on audiobook form and I, I was like, oh, I, I regret not reading it with my eyes, but I'm so happy to say that I actually read this with my eyes. Um, and I, you actually Dude, did after this that quote intro, that- I'm sending you a physical, I'm sending you a luxury first edition. Not only are you reading it with your eyes, you're getting the full, you're getting one of these turquoise packages once- Yeah, uh, you guys, you can't- you. Resumes. You can't see this. I think she's in her place and you see this like huge stack of scammer mailers in this beautiful turquoise packaging. If you go to carolinecalloway.com, you can order your first edition now that she actually signs. And sorry, I'm just geeking out here, Caroline, but the acknowledgements for for this book. (laughs) Well, the acknowledgements for this book are are epic, you guys. The acknowledgements, usually, you know, the acknowledgements, it's a quick thing. There's like a 10 page acknowledgement where each one... (laughs) I mean, you get so much mileage in your acknowledgements, like you, you know Taylor Swift, Lena Dunham, Kat Marnell, Julia Fox, all of these people in your life, and the way you you write about them. But you bring up Taylor Swift. Uh, I keep bringing her up just because the amount of care that she has with her work and her fans. And when you presented it this way, and and how you were packaging Scammer, it kind of made more sense to me because I think a lot of the times when you presented with presented as a scammer, you know, even with those workshops you had once done, which you talk about in this book, you know, now you're kind of like, wow, you really want this to be an experience for the reader. You want people to have an experience. You want you appreciate the fandom, the the pomp and circumstance of it all. Yeah, you know, there were there were a couple years there when I felt really um, disconnected from any idea of fans. I just, I just felt very, yeah, just disconnected from 
a love for the fans. But, you know, something that um, really helped me reconnect to, like, just wanting to think of every little second of the fan experience was um, one of the first stops on the Eras tour was Tampa. And I'm recording this here in Florida. Actually, shout out to Ryan Bailey. We are both recording this on the 4th of July, which I think is yeah. a true. Speaking of dedication to the fans, like, I just want you I don't know when this episode will come out, but like it is lunchtime on 4th of July. And like, we are both here making this for our, yeah. our audience. I mean, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm Pacific standard time. Like I, I'm not oh even. Oh my God. Uh, that's so, crazier. Are you kidding me? It's, are, are what? It's a 9am. You're doing this. At, you woke up at 9am. Yeah. At least I got to wake Caroline, up at I, I'm talking like two I'm hours sorry. of sleep right now. Like I'm frantic. Oh Cause I, God. I had all of these. I had all of these thoughts after reading the book. And then I went on a Caroline Calloway rabbit hole in oh and just, well, I, I mean, I've read about you for so long as a lot of us have, but like, I keep thinking like how exciting to be able to take back that narrative and to be able to also, the, the thing that really shuts people up is when you actually show them what you can do and who you are. And I think, you know, Natalie, of course, is a device, you know, I love calling her a device, but a device that you use in this book time and time again. And she's kind of like this great literary mechanism for you in this book. And I was trying to think of like, um, you know, I was like, wow, like, is it like Batman and the Joker? Like they kind of need each other, even though I don't think you need Natalie after this book. It is interesting how she really did fuel this book. Would you say she fueled this book in a lot of ways? Yeah. yeah you know, I say in the book that the last Natalie and I gave each other many gifts over the years, many of them physical, um, many of them intangible. And by the way, you're welcome to use the video for this podcast, by the way. I say this. Are you sure? My cat. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I, by the way, I heard the cat, I heard your cat purring, and I was like, oh I know. my god, I mean, what a, cele- a celebrity look is at in his this little, well. Look at his little mouse hat today. Isn't he so cute? <laughs> but um, yeah, let the record show with this purring audio that, um, oh, a car <laughs> going by, That's, um, that he actually likes the hats. But um, but yeah, I, I say in the book, the last game, gift that she gave me was the gift of competition because you know there have been three times in my life when she used me and all of them were in the past four years and you know the only time in my life I only used her once in my early 20s um, when I employed her to help me never ghostwrite but to co-write a document for that only publishers saw it was a book proposal. And, you know, I still don't wonder if use is the right verb there because I also paid her 18 grand for that. Like, I don't know. I think that was a fair wage for like churning out, like, I don't know, 20,000 words of which I wrote 10,000. But um, the first, she used me three times, but I only got angry once. The first time obviously was when I went viral for the creativity workshops and she pitched her story to the cut. And I didn't find out until months later in the fall when the essay was ready. And I wasn't, I wasn't angry, honestly, because I think a lot of former addicts um, feel like they deserve punishment for like the guilt and shame that they carry of how they were during their addiction. So in a strange way, I felt like she deserved or she, she deserved to be able to hurt me and I deserved to feel hurt by her. Yeah. Um, And then the second time she used me was two days after that article dropped, my father's body was found and she 
called me up that same day and consoled me about his suicide and then tried to get me to sign this sign away like my life rights to her for $15,000 and and her forgiveness. I would get the 15 grand and and absolution and I didn't know it at the time but she would get 1 million dollars and if I didn't sign she would only get 100,000. And, you know, I wasn't even angry then when I found out about the true extent of that deal because my fucking father had just killed himself. And, like, I just was – I just didn't care that, like, her trying to sell me out was, like – it was just, like, so low on my priority list. Like, I didn't even feel anger. And the third time was actually this past winter. One of my friends who's in publishing leaked the book proposal that she circulated in order to sell her book. And it was so much about me, more about me than the book even ended up being. I think that like a third of the book is about me, but in this book proposal, it was all about me. And it was, you know, talking about how she would write more about my Adderall addiction and her own latent bisexuality. And she'd expand the cut essay and I was, I grew up with a father with rage problems. So I think anger is sort of a hard emotion for me to access in a way because I, I had such bad formative experiences with it and I fear anger. But my God, I was so fucking sick to death of being used by her. And I do feel like I wouldn't have made Scammer now and I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have released it in June if it hadn't been for that anger. And that, in a way, in that way, I'm very grateful. But, you know, I've never needed to use anyone else's name, anyone else's photo, anyone else's life story to sell my books but my own. And in that way, I don't need her at all. She needs – I could write about any part of my life without Natalie. But the only parts of Natalie that people care about are the parts about me. And I think that's – Although I'm grateful for the anger spurring me on to do this now, I don't think I need her at all. But I do think that she needs me. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I will say, you know, you're very honest throughout the entire book, and you do employ there's also almost like the Charlie Kaufman esque. Uh, every time, like you'll you'll kind of take us behind the scenes, like oh my god, that was the that was the worst writing, wasn't it? Or that was this, and <laughs> you know, it's it's this really great device that you employ a, a lot of times. But you know, I remember the day when that cut article came out, as you know, somebody that was chronically online at the time, that thing was getting passed around like wildfire because we were all, you know, we were so um, addicted you know, you were addicted to Adderall. We were addicted to your life for a time. And we were addicted to all of these things that people were saying about you and saying for you and all of these things. And I remember I kept thinking, well, why doesn't she just fucking write? Why doesn't she put that book out? Why doesn't she just do that thing? And then reading this, I was like, wow, this couldn't have come out at a a more perfect time that things happen when they're supposed to happen. Things do. And and, and after ripping this bandaid off, you say at the end, this is just a small volume of what should be many volumes on a bookshelf that, that I, yeah. I just, I kept thinking, I was like, you better be writing every day. You are writing every day, right? This Dude, is past I have, two more, I have two more books that are 75% done that I want to put out by the end of summer. Maybe that including September and summer, they're going to come out before October and th- the three of them together will be the Instagram trilogy, yeah, which they- is <laughs> 
and I'm very excited for them. And I, I've already planned the covers and the spines. The other spines are like royal Eve Klein blue and then like a bright uh, like lemony yellow. So when you put them together on your bookshelf with the red spine of Scammer, it'll be like a primary color <laughs> trio and they'll look so gorgeous. Like I'm already oh I'm already on to the next two day books. Uh, and I have honestly seven more ideas for day books after this three. And then I'm going to take all the money from those day books, which I'm going to publish. I'm going to do luxury first editions for each book. But then since I own the copyright, I'm also going to sell them to publishers to distribute. These three books I'm actually shopping around as a trilogy. And then I'm going to save my money. And then I'm going to pull a fucking Donna Tart, And I'm just going <laughs> to really disappear for like five years entirely. Oh, my God. And what? I'm going to make And We Were Like is the plan for my 30s. I mean, wow, Caroline's uh, secret history is going to be amazing. I mean, that, <laughs> it, um, uh, you had this one, uh, this little thing that you wrote in the book that stays with me. And we were just kind of speaking about this, but I wanted to let the audience know that I just love this. It's that you said courage takes courage, but you can always substitute self-delusion if that's all you have in the pantry. And that kind of goes to what we were just speaking about. Is that really that obliviousness, you know, courage is whatever, but you can truly use whatever you have and self-delusion in this day and age is such a powerful tool. And I do a little review of the book before this interview. So the audience kind of knows the main characters for people that might not know already. Um, but I, it is one of those things that you are, you are this master marketer too, to remind people if like, you, you know, when Instagram first started, you were one of the first people to actually utilize it correctly before there were any rules in place. You actually bought fake followers, 40,000 followers for like four ninety five or something ridiculous. Something insane. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but you, and you did this, you kind of had the foresight of doing this. And then you started paying other accounts that were kind of book fan accounts to start uh, promoting your posts and things like this. What kind of gave you that foresight. And I, I do want to point out too, you always have this keen eye for marketing. You know, you talk about this passage that paying attention to what all these people were talking about. They were talking about Tucker Max at the time, which if you guys remember Tucker Max, you know, his whole, like, you know, you know, this whole bit, you know, but you paid attention to that. You paid, have you always been like that of paying attention to what actually works and then finding ways to inject yourself into that? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yes. My mom, part of like our family lore, I don't know if your parents on your trip to Alaska, if there are any like stories about you as a child that like get repeated about like things about your personality that were just like apparent from a young age. Just the bedwetting, just the bedwetting, Caroline. That's, What's that's the bedwetting? The bedwetting. I was joking. Being a bedwetter. Oh, oh I was the bedwetting. I was what like, was what the, bad what, wedding? What bad? Like, <laughs> they uh, they married me off at a young age. Yeah, it was, I was very like, hard. Okay, yeah. Child bride. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but um, but for me, my mom loves to say how my favorite game as a little kid was a game I called dictation, which she since I couldn't type or even write, but I could speak. She would sit at like our old khaki colored 
PC with like the first version of like Microsoft Word. And I would tell her stories and she would write them up for me. And the other thing that she always brings up of when I was little is that I love to like critique commercials as a little kid and like say how the commercial could have been better. And I really think that like my two greatest skills are marketing and writing. And I cherish those family, that family mythology, because I just, I just agree with that, with her interpretation of like, where my skill sets have always lay. And, and um, yeah, so with Instagram, I just sort of, when I saw Tucker Max and his success, I mean, sexist sexism out the wazoo like of that is, sexism aside you cannot <laughs> you cannot deny that he had a business plan that worked yeah. like he gave away stories about himself for free on his website then leveraged that audience into a book deal and then leveraged that audience engagement into a number one new york times bestseller and like that sexism aside, that's a great fucking business plan. And how that business plan could be even better is to make it less sexist and to apply it to less sexist stories. And you can also make it even better by cutting out the need to go to a website, bring people the, the free stories about yourself to build an audience straight to their social media feeds. And when I saw Tucker Max, I really like, I, w- I saw a great business plan that could be even better with less sexism and with more Instagram. And <laughs> I went and I made that. But, you know, you were talking about self-delusion. And I actually have a question for you. Do you how did your radio show come about? I mean, having a, a radio show on, like, iHeartRadio is like, I mean, like, you're doing it. Like, you're doing the damn thing when it comes to podcasting. Like, how did you, how did you get here? <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, a lot of it is uh, delusion, but also it was the pop culture is something that I've loved so dearly since I was a kid. I just never thought you could make any money from it. So being in Los Angeles, I went like the acting route and I had small parts in like The Office and things like that. But I you talked about. Well, yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, just, but no, but, you fucking weren't. But I'm saying the two. The thing that I never thought was the thing I loved since I was a kid growing up in Kansas was pop culture, was like movies, TV, music, books. I was that kid that would check out a bunch of books at the library, read all night. You know, I was just, I was, uh, that just opened up this whole world for me. I just never thought that I could be in it. You know, it's like um, uh, somebody said, my acting teacher said, love your, love the art in yourself, not yourself in the art. And that always stuck with me, but I just never thought I had any art in me. I just thought I was an appreciator of it, which is very valid. So anyways, by I started being obsessed with reality TV ever since, you know, it, it originated. And I always talked about it with friends and stuff like that. Never thought anybody would care. Then when I got divorced, I found like all this, I found the online communities that I never knew existed. And that's who introduced me to you. That's introduced. It went from reality shows to then internet figures, which you were at the time. And totally. that kind of opened up to, I started guessing on other people's shows and then I was able to start my own. And then iHeart took over the show during the pandemic. And that was 
kind of this just pinnacle moment that I never thought I could do this. And now I love it so much. I do it every day. I'm obsessed with it. Um, it shocks me that I get to talk to people like you, which my, my dream used to be having to have a job that I had to watch a bunch of TV and read books. And last night I said, wow, I'm living my dream. Like, I'm like, I'm living my dream. I kept thinking I should go to sleep. And I'm like, no, this is, this is the deal. You you get to do this. We're you get to read this. Dreams, really. I couldn't believe I was reading scammer. Like I I had read about scammer for so long from you, but actually read the it. The mythical was this- book. Well, and then you're to getting actually before anyone else, you have, well, in fact, we are being so stingy about who we give digital copies to, because I just like, I really want the first edition of scammer to be like a physical product, but I love, I, you know, m- my path to scammer and to actually being a writer was equally gradual. I mean, it literally took me 10 years, but I I always, there were times when I felt like no one believed I'd ever be able to do it. And I think in those moments where, you know, where you don't even believe in yourself, largely because no one else does, I think self-delusion can be a really powerful tool to just like get you through. Like, I mean, obviously, ideally, self-confidence and courage would be like my first choice. But like, we don't always have access to that kind of bravery and that sort of self-esteem. And in the moments when you don't, I highly recommend self-delusion to get you (laughs) to where you want to go. Because, you know, every a fact that really calms me is that every famous artist, every famous athlete, every famous podcaster, actor was once none of those things, you know, like there was a time when they were just regular people, except for Nepo babies who have it easy, but you know, I would kill to be, I I chastise my mom every day, not being Kris Jenner. Um, uh, (laughs) So uh, I will say this, not to just kiss your ass the entire interview, but I was one of those people at a certain point that I thought you were never going to release this. I thought your thing was going to be keep talking about it. I thought it was like Andy Kaufman. I thought, I thought that was going to be your bit. Your entire career was just saying, you know, when you were 60, you're going to be scammers about to come out. I really thought. And so, <laughs> but what I'm that. saying was that, well, that was the coolest thing to read this. And then by the end of it, I, I wrote this note that I almost by the last line, which is a killer last line, you guys, she starts it off killer uh, shockingly, but then she ends it killer where you, uh, I almost was, I almost stood up in bed applauding. Cause I was like, she, she, she landed it. She like, it was a great, ending to that where I was like rooting for you by the end. And when you read somebody like Natalie's cut piece or the cut piece that that Natalie was a part of, you know, it really did. You look at this in a different angle of being able to like, wow, this story of yours was really taken away and certain details of this story, really key details were left out of that story. Being able to hear it from the horse's mouth and in such like kind of this beautiful prose is a really different experience. And that's why I encourage people to actually read this book. Um, But uh, that's what I just kept saying. I was like, shit, she had this in her all along. You have this scene with, uh, uh, you know, your, your writing teacher that literally you, you, which by the way, the times you bring up Natalie, you, you, you talk about her so glowingly, but at the same time, there's this, this over, I, you won't probably classify that there's this, oh, there's like a little bit of pettiness in there. Cause you will nail her with a line on top of complimenting her so much. But some of those lines, I was just like, damn, it's like a, a little bit of a, a hit, but this right, your, your writing teacher says, listen, you, 
you were always a better writer. All you had, <laughs> you just had to write. And that's what I was thinking about all of our own lives. We just don't do the thing because we're so in our head about doing the thing. But that was, you had that in you all along. Totally. And I'm so glad that you took that away from that scene because that's exactly what I wanted people to take away from it. It's, it's literally, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I fucking wrote that scene. Like, that is exactly what I wanted people to feel. We are so in our heads. And I, I, it's crazy how, yeah, that it just, just starting and finishing it is just, they also feel like the hardest things in the world. And we can have so many just mental barriers to just like doing the damn thing. And I, myself included, like I'm not, I'm, I'm patron saint of Cambridge chaotic good. And like saying you're going to write and famously not writing a book for way too long. (laughs) I mean, I'm so glad it's finally out, but um, yeah, I, I'm really glad that you took that away from that scene. No, I did. I, I thought, but I just thought how fat I was like, wow, like and she had, what's that? No, I was just going to say, and also, yes, I'm very petty and vicious. No, it was, he, I mean, there was, there were certain Taylor lines Swift that cut me. Out for blood. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, it really is. You do bring up Taylor Swift as a, as a hero of yours, which I love. Uh, you say Midnight's right now is your favorite album. This is a pop culture podcast at heart. Uh, uh, so Taylor Swift, we talk about all of the time. You like Taylor Swift? How do you how, feel about her? Love Taylor Swift. I'm the only thing that pisses me off about Taylor Swift right now is being in Los Angeles. I can't even get a single ticket for less than a thousand dollars because I didn't make it on the Ticketmaster, you know, little little uh, thing, and that pisses me off. Like I just I want to see Taylor Swift. You She's have to like go. Eight, you have to yes. just bite the bullet and do it. You have to just do it. I'm sorry. They're they're you have to just do it. They're only going to get more expensive as it, it gets towards. The, at least now there are still a few other U.S. dates left. But, like, once it gets to, like, people are going to be flying to Los Angeles to see her for the last time in the United States. Like, you, I, I really, like, any listeners out there, like, this, I went twice when she came to Tampa. And, you know, we sort of got off topic about this, but I was saying how Taylor Swift, like, really helped me reconnect to, like, a love of the fans because I just felt like every single detail of the Eras tour, she had just been thinking about, like, how every single fan would experience it. Everything from how the stage lights up for the people in the top seats, the light-up wristbands. And so when I designed this luxury edition of Scammer, I was like, what font are we using for the, like, for the body paragraphs? Like, how does the packaging look? Like, what are people, when they get home from work and they see this in their mail, I want them to know exactly what has arrived. Like, uh, like, how how do you tie the best bow with ribbon? I'm like watching YouTube tutorials on like how to tie like Tiffany bows. Yeah, like, you even have what? reusable. You have reusable stickers. You have re- yes, reusable yes, yes. stickers we, we on the packaging special, which you can yeah, reuse. Special, you'll see this when it arrives. But uh, <laughs> we made sure to um, test out different kinds of uh, stickers to make sure that we had ones that would stay in the mail. I actually practiced mailing this mailer to my graphic designers in Brooklyn. So, which is like the perfect like trip. It's not like too short nor like crazy long. We practiced mailing this book with the mailer to make sure that the stickers would stay <laughs> on but still be able to be peeled off. And I just you know who you really remind me of with your um love of Taylor Swift? Who's the guy who owns Barstool Sports? 
Oh, how dare you, Dave Portnoy? How dare yes. you? Wait, that man, Tucker Max Dave is the Portnoy. original Dave Portnoy. Dave, po but no, Dave I Portnoy says Dave Portnoy. Uh, I like Dave Portnoy. Well, Dave, Dave uh, he's he's good. He just he's gotten himself into some trouble along over the years. So I know. Uh, I don't care. I think he. Yeah. I, I think he's great. <laughs> I think he. I've been loving all of his Taylor Swift con like content. I love the you know the clips of BFF podcasts that I see on. That's TikTok. what that's what you need to get on is BFF. Uh, you like that's what the that I mean. So I hate true. to. I should. I, should, but, I will. Way, like, but, uh, I, you, these kids need to, to need to recognize like they you know they Dave Portnoy's there and then they're like these twenty one year old hosts that you know are kind of learning about life. You would be a, you would be a, not to shit on this show, but you would be amazing on that. <laughs> um, that's, wait, wait, wait. That's true. That's true. Bestie energy to be like to be like you know what you need, bestie. Like fuck me, like go do this. Like, I just love that you want, you truly want what's best for me, even at the yeah. cost of like, yeah, that's true. I, that's true bestie energy. And I love that so much. <laughs> um, okay. So in the book to kind of uh, talk about another pop culture angle that we talk about a lot is the rise of streaming of, of these stories from the internet now being optioned as projects. Um, you do talk about this other uh, passage in the book that I loved, if you've never had a scandal before, continue to have none. If you've had one scandal, then beginning having as many more as you can. The way each bad news item about you becomes a smaller pie slice of your public identity. The collective memory for pop culture fatigues so fast. It's the Kardashian-Trumpian principle of information entropy and overload. One scandal will define you, but a million little scandals add up to a helpless shrug. And we talk about that concept on this show all the time, is that there is so much all the time now, all you have to really do is is ride that wave. And I love that thought of if you have one that could define you, but if you have a million, it just numbs the audience and they don't oh. even know which way to look. And I thought that was just, I was like, that was so well put. Yeah, no, So well put with what you just said, it numbs the audience and they don't even know which way to look. I would print that sentence in my book. Like that's, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeously said. And I totally agree. Have you ever had a scandal? No, not yet. I'm looking forward Dude, to my first to have one. None. Don't have one. Like, Don't have one. Continue to have none. Like that is, you know, if I, there's so many things that like I did after going viral as a scammer the first time, like I doing OnlyFans, going on Z-Way, painting my floors white. Like there, I can't even... Like even I can't remember them all off the top of my head. Oh my god, I remember that the paint, the paintings. The I regret painting. now not oh. buying a painting. Like I remember <laughs> when you did paint your apartment all white. I remember when you the apartment troubles. I re I forgot about Z Way. Like you, you yeah. had all of these different <laughs> yeah. little pop culture pockets. That that's what I was saying. It's like so many things that you would pop up in these kind of random random places that I would be like, whoa, this is wild again. That I was like, is she almost doing this on purpose? Like, this is anything that you do, there was all of a sudden this spotlight on. In fact, you talk about in the book, um, you know, and this is after the, the cut article and stuff going on Red Scare. And I remember that because I was like, that's a dangerous crowd to go in front of. And that's a dangerous, but you know, you talk about it as, well, it's part of a, a marketing thing. It's part of, listen, if I do this, I can then go to LA and people are going to be able to hear this story and want to be this story and want to put this on some sort of film because Natalie had a competing project, which you talked about earlier, which she tried to, to get you to sign the rights away with Ryan Murphy, which was completely ridiculous, but you 
I didn't understand sometimes, I still don't, how you would almost be the grenade. You would you would throw yourself on things. And I was like, that's just how, how are you Teflon? Do you not have like insane feelings? How would you put yourself on there to be made fun of, to be, you know, because the Red Scare ladies liked you, but at the same time, I feel like they were poking fun at you at, at oh, times. Yeah, yeah. You know, like no, why, mean, why was- do that? Okay. Two things. One, can I tell you some steaming hot tea that I just please, found out? Please tell me hot goss. The hot goss is, um, is, and I can't tell you how I know this, but a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend is the friend of the show, who was the showrunner for the Ryan Murphy Netflix Natalie project. And after my Vanity Fair piece came out, they killed the entire project. That's what I was going to ask. Like, where is that project? That's, that's the steaming hot tea. It, it just ended. And I hate it when people are like, I can't talk about it. Like, it just seems like just so obnoxious. Like, it just makes me want to be like, Bleh. but um, I literally cannot talk about what's happening with the Lena Dunham script, but it will be announced soon. And I don't want to fuck it up until then. But, um, but with using myself as a grenade and be, whether or not I'm upset about it, dude, I am so upset about it. Like I, I cry, especially during 2019 when, you know, here's going on Red Scare was like, honestly, one of the best and it was one of the best business moves I ever made. And one of like the worst days of my life, like I had to basically like leave that recording to get on a bus to Virginia, a bus. Cause I was so poor. I couldn't afford the train at that time, a bus to Virginia to go give the eulogy at my father's funeral. And I, so I like, wasn't in a great mood. I didn't want to be entertaining people. I just got like, I, here's the thing though, that here's the timeline. Natalie tells me the cut piece is coming out about 10 days before it drops she had sold it months ago when I went viral for the creativity workshop. She had pitched the cut, reached out, and been like, let me tell you how bad Carol Calloway really is, like, for money. And they gave her money, and she wrote this essay. And 10 days before it came out, um, she told me, and because a fact checker was going to contact me, and she wanted me to talk to them. And in retrospect, I shouldn't have even talked to the fact checker because – Anyways, that's a different story, but <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't have even talked to the fact checker, but I didn't know this yet. I was still sort of like a newbie to being canceled in a bad way. In fact, the way I'd handled the creativity workshops was didn't work. It failed spectacularly. I treated that cancellation the way that I would treat a dear friend who was like, I am so angry at you. I think what you're doing is evil. And I think you're an evil person. If one of my dear friends said that to me, even if I didn't know what they were talking about, especially if I didn't know what they were talking about, I would try to see things from their point of view. I would try to understand where they're coming from. I would I would apologize um, for any hurt I had caused them. I would try to make it right. And I did that with the creativity workshops. I canceled the tour. I refunded everyone. I issued an apology when I should have just said fuck because all the people who hated them and thought they were disor- too disorganized and chaotic were people for whom 
the event was not designed in the first place. They were never going to buy a ticket. Like the people who bought tickets and came to the events, like knew exactly what they were signing up for. They loved all the random like inside joke gifts that I gave them. They loved the chaos of the whole thing. They loved the DIY-ness of it all. And I should have just been like, fuck you to Twitter. Like, fuck you. Like, you don't get it. Uh, Like, go away. Instead, I really, I tried to, I tried to apologize. I tried to make it stop. I tried to, and every single thing I did to try to make it right, Twitter just doubled down and used as proof of my evil and greed. Yeah, but you can't win. You can't win with Twitter. You can't talk about that. You can't win with the internet. I had never, I didn't know that though. And I'd never been canceled before in a bad way. <laughs> but never... when, I went, when I got Natalie's email months later about the incoming article, I, all I knew was what didn't work. So I knew that I couldn't do that again. I knew I shouldn't try to fight it. So I just thought, okay, well, I'll try to lean into it and I'll promote that article. It's funny that you say that you remember when that article came out because I don't think I get enough credit for how much I made New York Twitter frothing at the fucking mouth for that article, like nonstop 10-day publicity. And back in 2019, pre-cut article, the cut didn't have access to the greatest number of people interested in Caroline Calloway. I did on all my at Caroline Calloway platforms. So like I was priming the target audience for this piece. And by the time it came out, it was so... perfectly teed up to go viral but what I didn't account for was you know I thought Natalie would make me look really bad but it never once occurred to me that she would lie by omission to such extent like I thought she would make me seem like a manic maniacal addict I did not think that she would erase my pill addiction from the from the record and make everything I did high on drugs like yeah, it was a, a generalization out. instead of the Adderall addiction that you were intensely going through, which you yes, talk about. Yeah, you made me seem like a fucking crazy person. And I mean, you I'm talk about traveling overseas to get pills. You talk about detoxing yeah, yeah, yeah. by going I to places where they couldn't have pills. Like you yeah, were. I, I also didn't. What I, the main thing though that I didn't anticipate was that she would try to take credit for my work and that she would try to make me seem like the pretty face and herself as the brains behind the operation. And so what this, maybe I could have still navigated this better, but then 48 hours after this article comes out, my father's rotting body is found. Suicide, ironically, by pills. Um, And so the thing was, because she had done such a compelling, masterful job of making herself seem like the brilliant one and me seem like the vapid, delusional, crazy one who wasn't even capable of being an accurate narrator of her own life. Not only did she get to like sell the story of me to the cut, but she positioned herself for an incoming movie deal as the only one capable of telling my life story because I was so unhinged I couldn't you couldn't trust a word I said and she did a great job of that and I which is a really steep hill to climb but what made me even more incapable of like handling it better was just having to deal with the immediate grief of my father's suicide and so I was given I couldn't, which made me incapable of writing, like in intense grief. Like, I don't know about you, but like, 
I'm not, I'm not able to like do good work. Like I just, I just couldn't write. Like I was just so sad. It was like a nightmare, honestly, to like be alone with my thoughts. Like all I could do was cry. Like I couldn't sit at the keyboard and, and make beautiful, compelling sentences that could change people's minds about, about, my intelligence or my capabilities. So the reason I ended up doing Red Scare and really making myself a grenade is that I, it was really my last, it was my last resort because I, Natalie offered me the day, two days after a piece comes out, the day my father's body is found. She offers me this Netflix deal where I get 15 grand in her forgiveness. And I thank God my manager, I honestly, Honest to God. Your poor manager, by the way. Your poor, poor manager, manager must just like what the converse that's what I want to have is like actual documentation of the conversations you have with your manager. Because it just <laughs> must be like talk like, no, Caroline, no, we, yes. we can't do that. We we can't do that, Caroline. That sounds which which um it, it really it, it kind of does make me laugh in retrospect thinking about this. Um, sorry to, to cut you off, but I was just no, thinking not about at all, not at all. Natalie, I remember uh, feeling at the time, um, and I think we all, a lot of people go through this as like, oh, I felt like maybe you were that person that if you shine your light on somebody, that person feels immediately like, in heaven. Like, yo, so I, I've had a person like that in my life where, you know, and that person was potentially bad for me, but anytime they show, they, they shine their light on me, I felt like I was absolute. I felt like I was amazing. And I was like, Oh, maybe that's who you were to Natalie reading your version of things. I, I don't really think that I anymore. Think, I, I also felt special when she shone her light on me. Like she was, you know, she was a writer Nepo baby. She lived in this beautiful mansion in Connecticut. Her little sister was at Brown. Her mom worked for Yale. Her dad was a professional writer. Her aunt gave her her first writing job um, because her aunt is still o magazine. the editor-in-chief of O Magazine. And, like, Natalie was beautiful and athletic and absolutely fucking ripped. She was, like, charismatic and charming and she was elected like captain of the varsity women's soccer team which I is also gay as hell and I was just like I had the biggest crush on her I loved her and I yeah I think she did a really you know in terms of trying to get people on your side as a narrator. I think everyone's had situations where they've been in the presence of someone who felt they felt special when they shone their light on them. And I think it was very, a very smart and ruthless uh, choice, a narrative choice of hers to make me seem like that person so that people would empathize with her character and sort of hate mine because, because they could relate it in their own, relate the character of me in their minds to someone who was um, radiant, but toxic, ultimately toxic. But um, I, I really want to tell you to answer your question about whether or not it affects me is with the red scare thing. I only did that because I needed the, no one in LA wanted to meet with me for movie deals because they felt like I had Mindy Kaling's production team actually told me that they didn't think that I had anything to offer this story. This story being the story your, of my life. Your story. Yeah. Your yeah, story. Yeah. Yeah. You mean, I was like, yeah, you mean, well, 
That's you're not a real. Well, well, that I always talk about the concept of a reliable narrator in terms of reality TV is that sometimes these characters are so out there that they're not a reliable narrator anymore. And she painted you as not a reliable narrator. And it was genius. So, it was genius so then that her. kind of spread around a little bit. Yeah. And so I ended up doing Red Scare because I knew that if I could make New York Twitter talk, I could make LA Twitter listen. And I, I, Writing was off the table. For a week, I had been trying to do interviews, but I would I would talk for two hours and they would just, I mean, you could pull quotes just from this podcast being like, just me, to, like I would talk about how I was a bad friend on drugs and the headline would be like, Caroline Calloway admits she was a bad friend, you know, like, and I just felt like these reporters were all writing the same story and not letting me speak for myself. So I was like, okay, I can't write, but I can talk. Podcasts are the way forward. What is in twenty fall of 2019 the single best podcast to make New York Twitter talk so that LA Twitter would listen? And Red Scare had a live show coming up. And I basically – they hadn't sold enough tickets. And I basically sold so many tickets by promoting the link in my Instagram story that they had no choice but to make me their, like, headliner guest. I, I, like, very much elbowed my way onto that podcast. Like, they didn't even, like, really want me, but I just, like, I really just hammered that link for their, their like, Eventbrite link so that they'd have no choice to see, like, the financial pull that I could get for them. And they didn't pay me. Like, it was very much they got to keep the money. But I got access to their audience of New York media elites. And it was awful. I hated being the butt of the joke. I hated the way they made fun of me. I like, I had to get so drunk just to tolerate it. And I was also grieving my father and had to go give a eulogy in like six fucking hours. Like, I mean, that's, that's the like, shocking part of this. It was this, a you... nightmare. It was a nightmare. And to answer your question of like, how do I deal with it? I just really see the internet and those and interviews like that as like that is my office and like I I get a lot of shit for like not having a real job and people think that obviously that I'm a grifter that I'm a scammer but like on behind this inside my head I take my work very seriously and I think of myself as being you know, a lot of my job requires me to be the opposite of what we consider the word professional. You know, like my tits are out. I'm saying crazy controversial things. Like it's not safe for work in general. But like I think of myself as being very professional in my own head in terms of like my dedication to my work. And like I don't bring my emotions or my tears. I don't cry in my place of work. I don't cry at the office. I cry at home. I'm very sad at home when things are tough at work. But like when it comes to like doing the parts of my job that I don't necessarily enjoy doing. In fact, parts of the job that I fucking hate. You think I wanted to do Red Scare live the like six hours before my father's eulogy? No, I didn't. I wanted to just like fucking watch a movie and zone the fuck out. But like that, I needed to show up to work and I needed it needed to be done. And like, I, I'm a fucking professional in that sense. And so I got it done and maybe it wasn't like, you know, my best podcast ever, but like I showed up, I did well enough 
I got the Lena Dunham. I got a bunch of meetings in LA. Yeah. By the way, the, that part of the book is fascinating for somebody that loves pop culture. She goes oh to LA, God. takes all these meetings and, you know, Lena Dunham, which she dedicates the book to is involved in it. They're going through like not auditions, but like meeting with actors, uh, Margaret Qualley pops up, which is, I mean, there's just some really fascinating things that in terms of pop culture, you guys would specifically love that we talk about, but also you make the point of, you are not um, uh, you are not Anna Delvey. You are not Elizabeth Holmes. These people actually went to prison. You are not yes. even in that kind of realm. And so it is kind of funny that, you know, it is funny. Like these people all had their prestige series and stuff. And, and I do believe that this story or whatever is, I, I mean, I, I do think there is such a film or TV quality to all of this, but I think that's how I think of the world these days. That's how we all think of the world. But I just hope that it never... Um, um, discounts your writing now that maybe, you're actually writing you is out play, maybe you can play the writing professor you'd be just please please i'm i'm <laughs> the white in my beard is yeah, coming yeah, in exactly. I mean, caroline you've always had it in you all along you've always you've always yeah. been the better writer exactly you know it's so funny because um my writing professor he went on this um he went on this road trip with David Foster Wallace and wrote yes. a book about it that got made into a movie with Jason the King. end of the road yeah which did I did I lose you? And someone I would do an I I I'm here. Don't worry, I'm here. Okay, okay. I, I reported from so it's funny you mentioned TikTok because next week I'm doing foreign press. Like I have this thing in France <laughs> and Sweden and Australia, a bunch of shit and Canada. And then the week a foreign meaning anything but US and UK. I literally count UK as like my second country but the weekend or the week after that I'm launching all my TikTok stuff but anyways a Swedish reporter was calling me but back to the story about Jason Siegel and uh, Jesse Eisenberg Jesse Eisenberg played a younger version of my writing professor and depending on how long if it takes 10 more years (laughs) to make this movie he will eventually be the right age to play the yes, character of David Lipsky But I don't want to wait 10 years to make this movie, so you would be great for the role. Yeah. And, you know, a fun bit of lore that your readers might like to – or your readers, <laughs> your we'll listeners readers, sure. might like to know is that um, in Lena's script, I make a cameo as in that chapter that you're talking about, chapter 60 is where I do all the name dropping, and it comes right on the heels of, like, the really graphic chapters – about my father's suicide in this filthy hoarder Oh, God, you, that was so... And I just, the, I, I really wanted to juxtapose them. But in Lena's script, uh, my role, my cameo, is as one of those actresses that I meet with that doesn't get the part. That that, that <laughs> the character of me is like, you're not the right fit for the role. Um, that's incredible. Um, see, I, I, I do have to end this, unfortunately, because I could talk to you all day. Um, and oh, that's, I, I that's feel great. like this then is... I can call the Swedish reporter back. No, uh, screw that Swedish reporter. Screw that Swedish <laughs> no. reporter. No, I, I have an appointment that I, I was not able to, to move. I, I would love to just do a three-part series with you because there are so many things that I didn't get a touch on. But I do want to just remind people, as I've reminded people in the intro to this, carolinecalloway.com is where you Aww. can actually order your first edition book. And, and what I was going to say, if Caroline it wasn't Caroline said she was going to send me one, but I was going to actually tell her that no, I was no, literally going no, to buy no, one because no, 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 after no, no. reading this, I'm I was like, I want, but I I'm want this in my one. collection. Your address. I, I I do want this in my collection. I was really really enthralled by it. I will read it again. I really uh, and I I I just 
it's great to talk to you after. And I'm so, I don't know, this is so bad to say, but I'm proud of you. And I, I don't want to be made fun of by Reddit or the internet, but I probably will be. But I was proud of you because I, like I said earlier, like this is, this kind of good stuff will shut the people the F up. And I want to, I want to read more of your stuff. I want to like you, you actually do have this in you. I, I hate to be so kiss assy. I know that's what this comes no, off as. In but fact, it's very David Lipsky of you. It's giving, it's giving plays it's, the writing professor in the movie. It's giving perfect for the role. Like, no, it's really, I really appreciate that. And especially, you know, like not having, you know, my writing professor, my manager's a guy, my therapist's a guy. Like, I really, not having a father, like, it's, it's just really meaningful to hear someone who is just like a, a adult man just be really, like, supportive of me. It just means a lot, and I really appreciate it. Well, Do you have any kids? I hope a lot more people – no, 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 I don't. Uh, no. Um, I don't – no, I, I know I don't. Um, I, I hope people – I hope people more – I, I hope uh, like males, females, I hope we all kind of rally around you. And I hope it's not just in a documentary because I used to like, oh, there needs to be a documentary about Caroline. There needs to be a series about Caroline. But I'm sure there is because I saw actually one of your Instagram. Yeah, I mean, and it I actually, like, I'm not and, sure I'm allowed to say anything. Well, but by the way, like just being a student of pop culture, I know I was like, oh, that camera rig, something actually is happening. Regardless, you guys, when any of that stuff comes out, we will be covering it on this show. Uh, just promise me you'll never be a real housewife of uh, Beverly Hills or New York. Just promise me that. I I could never. I would just like, I just know that if I went on one of those shows, I'm such a weird eccentric person. Like if I ever went on a reality TV show, it would be nothing but like creepy clown music every time I talked. And I would, you know, <laughs> I, Ryan I insert be, creepy clown music right here. Insert creepy yeah. clown music. right. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. Although I do have a good real housewives con uh, tagline. I put the artist and con artist. Wouldn't that be good? Well, I can't end better than that. That's uh, actually perfect. Um, Caroline Calloway, when, I hope when, I can get to cross paths with you again someday. I hope you will. Well, I, I, I do have so many questions. I was questions just going to say, when, when more stuff comes out, I would love to come back on the pod for that part two or even part three. Yeah, please don't. Please don't forget yeah, this show. Yeah, you have my number. Please don't, I, I, I'm, no, I'm, I won't. You know. I had the best time. I, I can't believe you're leaving me. I'm like, I'm the one who's like, I, in, in like that sweet reporter. By the way, Caroline, I... No, Caroline, I wouldn't if it, it was actually important, but it's actually important and I, I can explain later. I, but I trust um, you. I totally believe uh, Trust you. But you guys, I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. I'll put it in my Instagram stories. Uh, I never bought any Instagram followers, just so you know. I did it all on stupid memes. I did it all on stupid memes. Um, so, uh, and no one can take that away from you. I know. Oh God! And that's, I tried and that's to take why you've never everybody. had a scandal, Ryan. That's why no one's uh, ever written a cut article uh, about you. This is gonna happen. I was hoping. I was hoping this would be antagonistic, so we could actually make this a story that we just antagonized each other for forty-five minutes. But uh, this actually went great. So, um, guys, the book is Thank scammer. You. I want you to go order it. I want you to go give this a shot. I'll keep talking about this. And like I said, I'm going to give you a whole download in the beginning of more of my thoughts and more of Caroline's story. But the best way to hear Caroline's story is to read Caroline's story, the one that she wrote for herself in the memoir, Scammer. And I'm just, uh, I'm very happy to talk to you and, and I will, I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. I can't wait for the next episode of the pod. <laughs>
Thank you to our sponsor, Hulu. Their new reality series, Vanderpump Villa, is an unfiltered portrait of what it is like to work in the glamorous French countryside while striving to impress Lisa Vanderpump. As guests arrive for their lavish vacation, the Vanderpump Villa staff are pushed to their limits, ready to cater to every whim, all the while dealing with rivalry, romance, and misadventures. Watch new episodes of Vanderpump Villa every Monday, now on Hulu. Betches.